1: Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name's David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngis, and Deacon Phil from Dover, Delaware. Welcome, one and all. Good Thanks, to be here, David. David to be here. Thank awesome, you, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're gonna to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to see how Jesus wants to speak to us today?
2: All right, let's pray. In name of the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, you are awesome. Thank you so much for for your, for your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for your patience, uh, especially your patience. Sometimes when uh, we're a little little slow to turn, uh, Lord, you are all goodness, all peace, all kindness. Please speak into our hearts right now as we open up your word. Please help us to, uh, to be docile, to be teachable, moldable, pliable, so that you can You can form us into the loving husbands and fathers, mothers and and wives, sons and daughters, friends that you're calling us to be, that that our loved ones need us to be. Thank you for the gift of the Mass. Thank you for loving us, that you didn't want to leave us alone. You left us your word. So as we break open the gospel that we will hear on Sunday, help our hearts to be prepared for that encounter with your word and with the Eucharist. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, Amen. Amen. the the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Sure. The
3: gospel is from uh, John, chapter fourteen, verses one to twelve. Jesus said to his disciples, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God; have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, what I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you." And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be where I'm going. You know, the way Thomas said to him, master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you know me, Then you will also, also know my Father. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his work. Believe me that, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Christ. I'll tell you, as you were sharing, Tom, it just kept jumping out on me. The Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. I didn't get to count them all. I think there's at least 10 times Jesus always is referring to the Father. And I think that's so important to us because what the Lord really has taught me in my heart is this, in order to be a great leader, in order to be the best husband, the best father we're called to be. We must first be that precious son or that precious daughter to the heavenly father. Jesus said, unless you are like one of these little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So we need to go and have that intimate relationship with the father like Jesus did. His whole desire of his heart was to do the father's will. That's the way I want to set the compass of my heart with my end goal being eternity, but always including the father in everything everything. And I love it the way we're also called to reflect the Father to others. Because as Jesus lives in us with us and through us, he says I am in the Father, the Father is in me. We also can be that father figure to others. I just had a man this morning come to me and said, "Dave, I'm 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 struggling." He said, "I used to hear the Father's voice. I don't know how to hear it anymore. What's happening?" I said, "Well, so let me help you with that." I said, "You went through a period of consolation. Where you heard God, you saw god, you you got all these little heavenly kisses. But now you're going through a period of desolation. It's meant for your growth. I said, God's there. I said, just make sure your life stays in balance. You don't have any portals of the enemy. I said, then trust, have that faith. Trust that the Father will then bring you out of that, and you'll once again experience those times of consolation. Because when we go through desolation, it makes our heart appreciate when we truly experience the consolation that God allows, those little heavenly kisses those little attaboys. I love it. So that deep level of intimacy with the Father as his precious son, as his precious daughter, to open up to allow him to love us, allows us to love others.
3: And there's so much to to what you said, Dave, and and this gospel really really has a lot in it. But too, I'm thinking when you were talking about consolations and desolations, I'm thinking of um, Mother Teresa's spiritual life in the in the book Come Be My Light, um, where she talks about this, this incredible experience she had uh, when her vocation was being set and the time that it took for her to be able to have her order and then to go out and do the work. And then for a period of many years after that, she found herself in spiritual darkness. Although her work was still productive, she was still keeping her life in balance, like you said. but she came to recognize that, uh, and and Scott Hahn talks about this a little bit in one of his CDs on suffering, she came to realize that her spouse her divine spouse was actually sharing the best of what he had she was experiencing his suffering she was experiencing his time on the cross where he said my god my god why have you abandoned me of course god's not there as you said i mean he's not gone as you said but the experience of it as a human being and then to recognize that 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 really is a sharing in the experience of christ on the cross and then she came to recognize although the desolation didn't go away the spiritual dryness and darkness didn't go away. She came in her, at least in her mind and in her heart, to recognize that, as Saint Paul says, filling up what's lacking in the body of Christ in, in her suffering. So what's what Scott Hahn says? What's lacking in Christ's suffering is our suffering. That's the piece of it that's not there. So we fill it up. We make it complete when we bring our suffering, and that's what she, what she experienced. And I think it's such a profound. Um, understanding that we go through the desolation and then we come to recognize the desolation is our greatest blessing because it's, it's that it touches that experience
1: that Jesus had right at the moment before he died. And I love that little ditty that it's through our suffering that we are perfected into yeah. the image and likeness of Christ. I think that's a, so huge. But there's a great consolation again in the beginning where Jesus says to his disciple disciples, and I wrote this down, what is Jesus saying to you today? He's saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. you know. And I expanded upon that. Don't have anxiety. Don't have worry. Don't have fear. Jesus said and had to say to, and repeat it to his, his apostles and disciples, peace be with you. Jesus Christ paid the price. He gave his life so we may have life and have it in abundance. So for me, when my heart's troubled, when I have anxiety and worry and fear, that's kind of a lack of faith. That's a lack of mm-hmm. trust that God knows what he's doing. And I need to, surrender in order to be victorious. So for me, again, my challenge to everybody, all of our listeners, what's Jesus saying to you? What does he want you to let go of? What's troubling your heart? What's causing you anxiety? What's causing you worry? What's causing you fear? Give it to the Lord. Give it to the
2: Father. Whenever I hear the the gospel about the Father, I I think you said there's more than 10 times the word Father. Um, I just think of taking kids to, uh, to Steubenville retreats. You know, there's these amazing retreats at Franciscan University and, and all over the country, and, and we would take groups of, of teens to these retreats, and they had this one song called Father's House. And, and one of the lines was, uh, you know, come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. There's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. There's a big, big yard where we can play football, touchdown. It's a big, big house. in in my father's house right there's lots of so jesus is saying he's coming to prepare a room for that house that big big house in heaven and just today i was praying the 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 rosary and when i when i prayed the mystery uh of Jesus' ascension he went away to prepare a place for us right as he says here and what am i doing now to to joyfully prepare for the place that jesus has prepared for me Mm -hmm. Because there's no one that can take that place, right? You know, Deacon Phil, Tom and David, you know, he he has a place for each one of us. And I can't take your place, Deacon Phil. You can't take mine. You know, we, God, Jesus loves us so much, so intimately, so perfectly that he has a place just for us. Where we have everything that, not that we think we want to be happy, but that God knows we need to be perfectly happy. And I'm going to live in that joyful preparation that each moment is, is a gift and, and live life preparing joyfully to go home. You, know, you ever, you know, when you're away, even on vacation, like you're, mm. you're having a great time on vacation, but you want to go home. Yep. You know, something mm. like walking through the, walking through your house and taking your shoes off and, you know, just being home, right? So if people ask, well, why are you so happy? Like there's like craziness going on in, in the world. You know, why are you so joyful? There's you know, all this you know, stuff going on in your life. It's like, I'm, I'm going home. Yeah, you know, I'm preparing to go home, right? Uh-huh. That uh, that Jesus has this place prepared for us in our Father's house.
1: Well, you know, and I think that's that's awesome, Robin. I think really, what was what I was reflecting on as you were sharing is that place He has prepared to, for us is in His heart. He created us out of pure love for love. He, the Father, delights in us as His sons and daughters. It's the number one reason He created us because He delights in us, and He and He is drawing us back to himself, he has that special place in his heart just for you, just for me. And that's where God wants us to come to him every day, including him in all of our decisions, and just grow in that ever-deepening intimacy with him.
4: You know, when I was listening to this gospel uh, being proclaimed, um, I'm drawn to Philip. Obviously, I'm Deacon Phil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anytime uh, Philip appears in the uh, scriptures, you know I, I'm drawn to him. And there's a there's a term, David, that you use called divine appointment. Mm-hmm. And God puts us in different places at different times and interacting with people on different levels. And we never really know when those divine appointments are going to happen. Today's one of those divine appointments. But Philip also had a divine appointment as an apostle to Christ. He understood that, um, you know, he didn't understand, rather, that Christ, who Christ was at that moment. You know, all this time he had spent with Jesus, Philip, do you still not know who I am? (laughs) And sometimes I feel the same way. Philip, do you not know who Christ (laughs) is? You know, but we we always recognize who God is. We always, there's no, most of the time we don't doubt who God is, but we, sometimes we forget about Christ. Even though he died for us, he pre- he's preparing a place for us in heaven. That's where we want to be. It, but it's these divine appointments. Yes. And thank you for that term. I love that term. Mm-hmm. But it's these divine appointments that remind us that what Christ did for us and what we should do for Christ.
1: And that's amazing because when God gives you the eyes to see those, I hadn't seen this man that came this morning in
4: 38
1: hmm. years. Why did he come see me? He said, David, I I can't hear the Father anymore. I can't hear God, and I know you do. I have no idea even knows this. He said, so David, help me give me your counsel. And that's where it's so beautiful when God allows these. Then you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to share, the wisdom to share, the knowledge to share. And it was a beautiful interaction that helped him as a father and a husband. And it just, it gives you this great peace and joy how God chooses to use us, even in our brokenness, to be a blessing to others. And so for me, every day of my life, I pray for the eyes to see, and a heart to respond with love to everything that God allows me to see, and ears to hear, spiritual ears, to hear the voice of the Father, and then with His grace to be able to respond with love to what I hear. And so for me, that's the journey. That's what makes life a great adventure rather than a a desolation of, of, of stuff. Yeah. And you know,
3: you know, Deacon, I'm drawn to Thomas because my name is Tom, but, <laughs> so, but he, he has a couple of faux pas like that too. You know, let us go to go fight with him that we can die or let us go, you know, let us go when he was going down to, to uh, raise Lazarus, let us go down there and die with him. I mean, come on, really? And then Thomas here says, master, we don't know where you're going. How How can we know the way? And he says, well, I am the way, the truth and the life. You want to talk about a guy that has every right to be discouraged at this point after three years. He's raised people from the dead. He's multiplied loaves and fishes. He's you know, he's done all these things. He's healed people, he's he's cured people. And standing here and he's realizing they still don't get it. You know, Philip doesn't get it. Thomas isn't really quite on track here. And uh, and this is the night before he's getting ready to die his the ultimate sacrifice. And he's, in a sense, leaving the church in these guys' hands. I mean, you talk about somebody that has every right to be discouraged at this point, but he just keeps treating them like... he had no plan
2: B, right, Tom? Yeah, he had no (laughs) plan
3: B. But his faith in God was absolute, and he trusted, and he went forward, and he doesn't give any signs of discouragement. And I think the thing that really hit me was sometimes we just look at Jesus like, well, of course he's God, of course he's going to do all these things. But we don't realize that he was in a human situation here, and I think this was part of that slide that became, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me on the cross? And that he had to reach that point of you know ultimate desolation before he could be raised from the dead. And I think he, while he recognized that, I don't think he was spared any of the suffering or the, or the discouragement that any one of us would have felt if you had worked for three years and done all these things, and they're still not getting it. Do you understand? I am the way, the truth. I'm the one you need to look at if you want to see the Father, and they're just not getting it.
4: Even after the resurrection, though, they still didn't get it because <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're locked the, up in the, you know, right. the upper room, and he appears to them. Right. A week later, he appears again. Well, they're still locked up. They right. know he's alive, but he's he's appearing to them again, locked up. And it's not until Pentecost right. that they uh, receive the Holy Spirit and understand everything. You know, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to guide you. And exactly, that's what – and yeah. we need to be open to that Holy Spirit today yeah. because we still need that guidance. Well, I
1: don't know if anybody else is a member of the Knucklehead Club because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's God's that, that name, a term of endearment for me. <laughs> I'm there. I've been called that a few oh, times. Oh, yeah, because – That's why Jesus, when he said, you know, if you want to be my disciple, takes three things. First and foremost, deny yourself. It's not about you. Me, myself, and I is a cycle of death. Then pick up your cross. My friend says, man, don't just pick it up. Embrace it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And third, follow him. But then there's a key word people miss, daily. (laughs) <laughs> daily, because Man. it is a daily choice. So for me, it's every day, because I am. I, I, it's knucklehead. It's my pet name. I'm okay with it. It's a term of endearment. But God can choose to use us. And if we truly give him all honor, all glory, all praise, live that life with a gr- heart of gratitude, those divine appointments, those those um, God moments, those heavenly kisses, we will get the eyes to see. And we will continue to grow our hearts to respond with his love. And that's the key because when Jesus says, you know, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And I'm telling you, we are called to truly be a reflection of Christ in the world, a mirror that points to that truth. When people meet us, do they meet Christ? When we meet people, do we see Christ in others or do we stop at their sin? You mm-hmm. see, that's where Mother Teresa teaches every one of us. She didn't see a Hindi, a Buddhist, a Muslim, an atheist, a Jew, a Christian. She saw Christ in the suffering. She saw Christ in the others. And she became Christ, who is pure love for them. That's our calling. Do not judge. We're called to love, vessels of his unconditional love. It's a daily journey. It's a purification I'm still a work in progress. Sometimes it's a hammer and chisel. Sometimes it's a jackhammer. But, hey, boy, it's a great journey and a great adventure.
2: So, t- Tom and David, we, we were at Mass earlier in the week, and the priest and his homily at the end he said, I'm going to get a little deep for you guys at, at 645 <laughs> Mass on a Wednesday. He said, "When, when you know, we're getting ready to, to receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. But you can't separate Jesus from the Father. You can't separate Jesus from the Holy Spirit. So with every communion, we're receiving the Trinity, Right, that so when you say people want to see Christ, so if they see Christ in us, we're answering Philip's, you know, show us the Father, right? So the world is, you know, wanting to see the Father, and the way fatherhood is just blind in in media and on TV shows and and whatever. Like the world has such a negative impact or such a negative view of fatherhood that it just gets translated to our image of God the Father. So the world is screaming like Philip to Jesus. Show me the Father. Show me the Father. You know, my, my Father didn't love me so much. My Father, you know, called me stupid. My Father abandoned me, whatever. Show me the Father. Right. So if we, have, if we have Christ in us and they see Christ, then they're going to see the Father. And they're going to, because Jesus and the Father are one, right? So, uh, you know, we can put our name, you know, where Philip says, Philip said to him, Master, show us a Father. We can say, our kids are saying to us, you know, Dad, show me the Father. Our friends are saying to us, David, Tom. Phil, Rob, show me the Father. Yeah. Uh,
3: but, so. I, but I think the seeing of the Father too is is uh, something that's guided by the Holy Spirit because you can see here where Jesus then has to say, "Look, I've been showing you the Father <laughs> since day one. You you haven't seen." It. And and I think that's the, that's the the switch, so to speak. Is is we can we can behave like the Father, but people have to see us mm-hmm. like the Father. And and to another point where he says down below, believe me. Uh, you'll you do the works that I do and greater still than those because I'm going to the father but he says if you whoever believes in me will do these works and so I look at that and I say well you know here's what here's what has to happen the closer I grow to Christ the closer I grow to God people will either be drawn to me or repelled by me and we have to remember that too because a lot of people are going to be and if right. if right and if people aren't responding to me at all, then I'm doing something wrong. You know, I mean, it's a good gauge to say when I go out to, to the schools and work with the faculty and things like that, are people being drawn to me? And are some people maybe being turned off by what I'm saying, um, even in our Catholic schools sometimes? But I have to challenge myself to say, that's my gauge. You know, the more people are drawn or repelled, the more I'm being like Christ. But I have I can be like the Father, but and then look at look back over the Gospels and say Jesus was father spiritually fathering these guys the whole
1: time and they missed it. And I think there's another key phrase here where Jesus says, "I will come back again and take you to myself." And when when I read this, I thought of our friend and our brother. And many listeners may not know this, but Don Gleickman, who's been on the air with us for many, many, many years now. Uh, Last week we were together and he shared a letter of a prisoner where we are sponsoring this prisoner through a theological class because he wants to graduate. He has a life-term prison sentence, but he wants to get a theology degree to teach prisoners about Christ. So we're like, yeah, we'll support him. So Don was all excited about that to show me the letter from the prisoner. The next day he's in at work, a man on a mission, Thursday of last week. He died Mm -hmm. on Thursday night. Jesus came for him. We need to understand, we don't know that we have the gift of tomorrow. We don't know that we have that opportunity to sit with a friend, to listen to a friend, to say our last goodbyes. We think we're, we're always going to be there tomorrow. It's not going to happen to me. But just that quick, the Lord knows the timing. He can bring you home. So always be prepared. That's where the, the parable of the, of the virgins with keeping their, their lamps filled with oil. We need to be prepared to go home. To the Father at any moment. Don't take life for granted. Thank God for that gift, and then open that gift, which is a present from God. That's why it's called the present moment. And live it in love.
2: It's awesome, Tom. You, you just threw out a, a real challenge. Because uh, you know, as we examine our conscience each day, examine our day, examine our our interactions with people, and on our efforts on behalf of of our Lord, you know, our evangelization efforts. People are, you know, the closer we get to Christ, people are either going to be attracted or repelled. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how do we, uh, you know, how do we? The same person could be attracting other some, saying that, wow, you know, I see God's loving you, and then that same person can get feedback that, you know, you know I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we balance that, that tension? You
1: need to let it go and let it in Christ's hands because Mm
2: -hmm. Jesus, they wanted to throw
1: him off the cliff. He left them. When they wanted to throw him off the cliff, he sensed it. He moved on. He didn't stay and try and convince them. He's God, the son of God. He didn't do that. So you can't make the choices for other people. You can't fix other people. They're going to make their free will choice and they'll either be attracted, as Mm -hmm. you said, Tom, or quite honestly, they'll be repelled. You need to just take it to prayer. Because you can't play God, you can't fix it, and that's where we surrender it, we give it to God, we offer sacrifice, we, you know, we fast, uh, we, we offer them up in Mass, we do all those things. But again, we take a look at the kernel of seed that we plant, the kernel of seed of faith. We do not grow it. That is God's role. When we try and grow it, we kill the seed. So and that's the biggest thing, a learning lesson for me as a fixer and a doer, is to let go and let God And that is truly a journey of faith. But the more you grow, the more peace you'll have, because otherwise the enemy just twists you all up.
4: But that's also what you've described as being Christ-like. Yes. Because Christ, you know, spent three years on this earth teaching his disciples how to be him and then they went off and spread the word across the world. And we're receiving that same word today, and it's our job to proclaim it and to, with our, the way our lifestyles, uh, the way we profess ourselves, the way we interact with people, to be Christ-like. And just as what happened with Christ, people were turned off. Yeah. I mean, many, many people were turned off to the point where they put him to death. Yeah. Now. No one wants to be put to death for their faith, but what a way to go. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that, but we should be able to live that way that if it re- does result in our death, and hopefully it never does uh, until God does call us. But we live our lives to the fullest in an example that we present to the world that they would then hopefully accept that's what I want to be like.
1: Absolutely. And I love what Jesus, Jesus is the word of God. So we know when we break open the scriptures like this, it's Jesus Christ who's breaking them open for us. It's him. And I believe what what Christ did, we're called to do. The word became flesh. We're called to enflesh this word of God to the world because that is enfleshing Christ in our uniqueness to the world, that's it. Because if we can know all the Bible in our head, we can know every verse, we can know all about the Bible and this and that and quarter of it. But if it doesn't make its way to our heart, and there's not a new heart in us, that's the heart of Christ. It's all head knowledge, and we truly don't know God. Because to know God is a depth of intimacy. That's a marital intimacy. That's that one union of with God. That communion, common union with God. That is that is our heavenly, eternal destiny to stay focused on. So for me, I want to enflesh this word. I want to break open the present moment, the gift from God, and I'm going to live it in love. Let's each of us be the world changers we're called to be through the grace of God. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you have been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us